that's all. And we are ready to go, I think. So, there we are. Happy awesome. days. Good to see you. Thank on you for coming head. on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we got there in the end with all of the setup. <laughs> ah, so, um, I mean, yeah, well, t- take it away. Let, let us know who you are and uh, yeah, give a little bit of an idea of uh, the stuff you've done, um, stuff you do. Neil Andrews, um, competitive bodybuilder. Um, maybe ex-competitive bodybuilder. <laughs> we'll soon see. Um, yeah, father from Swansea, originally from Batalbat. Um yeah, basically, you know, from Wales, everyone knows me on social media as Neil Ams. Um Obviously been competitive now, bodybuilding for 15 years. Um, social media following, I run my own coaching company, Team Granite Fitness. Um, and yeah, basically that is me in a nutshell. Hmm. Coach, bodybuilder, uh, nutritionist, enthusiast, just everything. You know? I, I, I've only been doing it for the, like, so I know you said bodybuilding for 15 years, isn't it? Yeah. Bodybuilding 15 years. Um, like what other kind of, so it's nutrition. So yeah, through school, kind of through school, I was always, my first love is, is Bruce Lee as, ah, a, as yeah, a kid. Yeah. I mean, martial arts, that's what kind of got me into, you know, uh, and even to this day, of all the idols I've had throughout life, through mm. school, and he will always be my number one, just, you know, mm. for what he stood for, you know, being a, a phenomenal martial artist, and just, he, he just, that's what got me into kind of martial arts, karate, kickboxing. I excelled at that mm. when I was a kid. I was beating black belts when I was like a red belt. Mm. Um, then I transitioned into kickboxing. I done kickboxing, then obviously you get into school and then different things happen. And then I obviously found Michael Jordan, mm. massive, massive uh, fan of him, even to this day, like one of the most competitive, just his mindset. And like, yeah. I think, the crazy thing is, in, in COVID, when they brought out the documentary on, on Netflix, it was the number one documentary in the world mm. throughout, you know, on Netflix, and because people actually got in to see what he was about and how his mindset and everything like that. Yeah. Through not just being, you know, the, the clothing brands, it was like I got into basketball, I was captain of the basketball team, then I got into gymnastics. People wouldn't think me as a, as a gymnast, but I was, I was, I was really, really good. And then captain gymnastics team represented West Morgan from a county level three times and then yeah I always obsessed with muscles for as far back as I can remember the Incredible Hulk and just Anna Schwarzenegger same old you know cliche but you know I had a big Anna Schwarzenegger commando poster above my bed when I was a kid and uh, got into then I was powerlifting got into powerlifting because I was always naturally strong done a bit of powerlifting and then I just thought you know I'm going to have a crack at bodybuilding so Went into bodybuilding as a natural competitor in the BNBF. Just thought, you know, I'm going to train for a year. I'm going to do a show the following year. Um, funny enough, James Wallace, mm. KGB from Warehouse. Okay, uh, yeah, went to yeah. kickboxing. He actually let me my, with my first prep, James. Because James actually uh, was a bodybuilder back then. And uh, trained for a year, done a show, just rocked up down in Devon to the show. Nobody knew me. And then won my class, mm. first class, and then nearly won the overall, the old show. And then I'd done three or four shows. I think my last natural show was 2008. I had a bit of a bad decision back in 2008, um, where I, I, think, well, I, I think I should have won. Mm. But I got beat by another Swansea boy, Nick Jones, who was phenomenal and rightly deserved. Um, so then I transitioned then over into the UK BFF which is a, a much, much bigger federation. And then I, com- I competed through the UK BFF, the PCA, multiple federations, NABA. There's so many feds now. So that's how just sort of put me on my competitive route. Yeah. Um, 
then obviously you started getting the coaching and then obviously with my love of like well not my love my just and i just thrive information not just that when you're a bodybuilder and you're competitive when you look at your own physique you're always trying to think well how can i make you know not just how can i get stronger in the gym how can i be healthier how can i you know implement things through supplementation diet to grow be healthy and and that kind of got me you know and a person like me who thrives information on all spectrums like i mean if if I watch a film and it's a true story, I'll have to go and read about it. Mm. If, somebody, if somebody asked me a question on my daughter and I didn't know the answer, I'd have to go and find out. Yeah, and yeah. that kind of stays in me then. So I, I can, I've got so much useless information in my head, you <laughs> I shouldn't even really know, but I do. And uh, yeah, that kind of got me into coaching then. And then just the, the love of working with people. And for me, improving people's lives not from a competitive standpoint. I got respect for people who get up on stage and go through that process. But for me, I get more kind of motivation of lifestyle clients. Yeah. You know, like I've got clients who, you know, morbidly obese come to me, they're 21 stone, 22 stone, you know, and bringing them down, bringing their BMI down. And that's just, you no, know, not just improving their quality of life, it's mm. prolonging their life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I get more, you know, I get more like motivated by those kind of clients. You know, six packs are impressive, big legs are impressive. Being strong is impressive, but bringing somebody and improving their quality of life, that is what impresses me. Like, yeah. you know, and that's what motivates me as, as a coach and as a person, you know, knowing that you've, you've you know, you're an I'm the type of person where I educate my clients as well. It ain't about just, you know, checking in once a week, you know, when they're checking in with the, you know, and measuring their stats and their measurements and their weight and redoing their diet. It's like, you know, they're asking me questions, Neil, why, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I taking this supplement? And I've voice noted them. Mm in layman's terms so they learn as well like and it's you know and that's why i put so much free content out there on social media mm. you know so at the end of the day they say you know knowledge is power i disagree it's, it's applied knowledge yeah and people say to me why do you put so much free content out because you know should we charging for that or there's no other coaches doing that because in this day and age everything's about money mm. you know because i'm afraid to tell you what i'm doing in case you go and implement that and then i see you on stage and like you might beat me, so I'm giving you ammo and things like that. But at the end of the day, you can know I can put out all the knowledge in the world on, on social media. But if you can't implement it, it means nothing. So it's not knowledge is power; it's applied knowledge is power. Do you know what we talked about? We talked about this briefly just before the podcast, and we and like you said, the when you're putting that information out there, whether it's about health, fitness, well-being, or just whatever in general, it's like you're you're increasing that collective knowledge because if you know about something that you've read yeah. from somewhere and then you pass it on to 10, 100 or 500 people and then they pass it on as well. It's just that sort of network effect of collective knowledge where, you know, when it's specifically around health and wellness, if people don't know how to lose fat or to, you know, better their life in some ways, but then you're putting that knowledge out there and more people know about it, then everybody in theory is getting well, you know, yeah. or they have the exactly. means and the tools to be better in the future and to create yeah. better you know lives for themselves and i think that is like like you said it is it's such an important thing once you know something you know the, the duty then really is to pass that on and to yeah. make and that, it useful for other people there is a lot of people out there you know accountability goes massively when you know when you want to just get in shape be healthy you know clients come to me and they know they just got to eat their diet do their training do their cardio you know it's all there be spoke for them 
you know, some people don't really want to learn, don't really want to know things like that, but they just want to look, I want to get in shape, I want to be healthier. They don't how they don't know how to implement those things. Some people can read something and not even take it in. This yeah. is why probably 99% of stuff from my story, people love to read it, mm. but if you can't apply it or you can't take it in, you know, if they forget it by tomorrow, then what does it even mean? But for me, it's, you know, putting a motivational quote out there. How do I know that somebody's not following me and having a bad day, mm. you know, uh, you know, having shit in a relationship or anything, just, you know, and then if I put a quote out there, I might just pick them up. Mm. Somebody's struggling, they might read, you know, a post from mine. And that's why I put the information out there is, is you know, that's what I'm, about. I'm a people person. Like, and I think, you know, karma, you know, if you do good things, good things will come back to you. It's like, you know, I won't pass a homeless person without giving them money mm. and stuff like that. I'm not going to put on my social media, but I'm just that, that type of person. I think if you do good, good will come back to you. Yeah, it's the like law of reciprocity, isn't it? You know, the more, I think the idea that you give more than you take with yeah. the, with no intention of having something in return, because that that's a big thing, isn't it? If you're taking money for the, you know, the, the good that you're doing or the information that you're giving, that, that's fine, you know, because life is about exchange in some way and you've yeah. got to put food on the table. But yeah, if you've got more to give, like, you know, and you're putting that information out there, that that, that free content, people are more likely to come to you anyway. Yeah. And funny enough, the same thing happened to me yesterday. There's somebody who does the same sort of coaching as I do. They're doing a challenge. I'm not running a challenge at the minute. That challenge could help, you know, impact positively, you know, God knows how many people. So I, I'm sharing it on social media and stuff for that person because I thought, well, yeah. I'm not doing a challenge, you know, so that person's doing something that's going to help other people right now. And all I've got to do is just help that message get out there so that they can, yeah. you know, potentially impact people. It might mean that they go to them instead of me, but I'd be failing at what I'm doing, you know, in terms of my values. If I was to not share that, just thinking, yeah. oh, that person might get somebody that I could have had. Do you know what I mean? And I think the law of reciprocity is that in the sense that you just give more than you take with the idea of it just, you know, maybe it'll come back to you at some point, but you don't expect it to. Absolutely, yeah. So. And I think, you know, fitness, just the way things are now today, do you mean uh, social media, a lot of it is like that. You know, you will get people who, you know, will watch my stories like it's religion, mm. but will never like a picture. Mm. Do you mean, so it's very, you know, people are, it depends the person you are. You know, people want to like a picture because that's that's showing you that to them it's like you know it's a weakness. I'm I'm showing that you know I think you look good. Well, for me, I've never been like that. I've never envied another person in my entire life. I've always tried to be the best version of me. I've never like oh my god, I'd love to look like him or I wish I had what he had. I've always just walked my path. Do you mean and try to be positive and I've always tried to be a better version, even from a competitive standpoint. I never wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. Mm. Could I be a pro bodybuilder? Absolutely. I beat boys who are pros. Yeah. But for me, I know if I went down that route, it would take years off my life. Mm. I mean, and for me, it was being competitive. It was being better than the previous me. Mm. And I always did that. I always got on stage better, leaner. I know my competitive history speaks for itself. But I think we are in that kind of society now in social media where, you know, I will like a stranger's picture. Yeah. I will like a stranger's picture. I will randomly comment every day on a stranger's post. Mm. Just give something back, you know, pick somebody up, you know, put it out there and he'll come back to you. Mm. I, I, I honestly do believe that, like. I Fun, do. Funny enough, Tiff, uh, you know, Tiff Sapan, obviously yeah. she's working with uh, with Ashley and Jane. Uh, she said that because you commented on her uh, 
the competition post after she'd done it yeah. and she said oh yeah fair play you messaged me the other day saying well done and all that kind yeah. of stuff and like that's a prime exactly example, like you know Ash. That she's taken you know she, she's found that um you know she's grateful for it you know because it's yeah. obviously like that little lift up that little you yeah. know recognition of the achievement you know absolutely and like ash was a client of mine for three four years one of my best mates you know and i'll, I'll support him you know he, you know and that's his first competitive client so he reached out to me as look neil can you come down have a look just you know it's his first client it means a lot to him so i went down to the warehouse had a look at tiff you know running through mm. you know the protocols and things like that ash knows what he's doing mm. you know but it's just you know that, that them first show nerves like I mean but yeah she got a great physique as a first timer came top three which is brilliant and she go on to you know achieve good things in the sport yeah in, so, in fairness in terms of her mindset and I've told her this as well so if she's listening Tiff there's a few uh, but it, it's incredible to see the dedication and the level of commitment but also like the, the, just the perseverance that's gone into it you know so like you know, even so much as having a natural with cheese on it, she wouldn't, you know, yeah. she's, she's oh, stuck absolutely. to the plan, 100%, no exceptions, you know, and put it all on the, it is, on the table when she's gone there. And I think that's such yeah. a admirable thing to, to see. It know? is, I would say, I've done a lot of sports and I would say it's probably the hardest discipline you could ever do for the simple fact is you're restricting the one thing that affects so many variables and that's what yeah. goes in your mouth. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, obviously girls don't go to the extremes and men do, and even males, 99% of males who compete probably will never get to my levels. That's why I was known for my conditioning. I know I can suffer more than everyone else. I know yeah. that I can go to those dark places. And like, you know, I, I can remember it back in 2016, I had to make weight because I was a heavyweight. I was having my last meal at like 11 o'clock, and I was waking at one o'clock in the morning in agony with hunger pains. I couldn't eat anything because it would affect my weight. So I was drinking water, trying to fill my stomach up, but I'd be, that went on for three weeks. I was in agony with hunger pains. You know, it's, it's until you actually go and do that process, you know, and even boys who do compete never get, you know, like, like I got a competitive client now, Lee. He's been on zero fats and zero carbs mm. for eight weeks. Eight weeks. So you've got to think of it. Carbohydrates are the predominant, you know, source of fuel for the body. If you you know if you've got low carbs then you have to have high fats it'll grab the energy from the fats when you take them to the equation mm. what are you doing what how are you fueling your body to walk to exist mm. and always training doing two hours of cardio a day on yeah. top of that you know he's on death door like and you know going down that route is something that people will never fathom how, how hard it is it's it's to the point where you know i was struggling to walk some days, I can remember my daughter was like three years old. I couldn't even pick her out of a swing in a park. Yeah. You know, two weeks out from my show. So you look phenomenal. You know, you see an extreme end of a physique, but internally, you, you know, you're practically dying when you're on stage, you yeah. know, when you get to them levels because your body's not meant to be a two, three percent body fat. It's, you know, you're dehydrated, you're, you know, you've been in a calorie deficit aggressively for you know, maybe five months. Mm. 2018, when I came second in the world, I started dieting in February and my last show was in October. So I was lean. And I mean, like, you know, you're talking maybe 5% body fat for 286 days. <laughs> so, you know, I had 16 days off. I went on holidays. But as soon as I stepped off the plane, I went straight into prep. Yeah. And I had eight weeks into my show. I done, I done, I done back to back shows, but yeah, from February to November. So, like. What's the. I wanted to ask about that. So, like, the. Obviously, you said, you know, in terms of physically, like, it's, it's really, really demanding and probably not healthy long-term for you. Like, what's the sort of mental uh, effect that has on you? Because you're restricting food, but you're also 
you know, this, I can imagine there's so many different thoughts oh, going on. Yeah. Like, um, like you see eating, eating disorders develop with people after it, things like that. Yeah, but I think that's where a good coach will come into play yeah. because there's a lot of clients who compete. A lot of, you know, people I see compete that don't get reverse dieted out of shows. You just can't go binge and post show because you've restricted your body for X amount of weeks. Mm. You know, restrictive calories, your stomach has shrunk. You go binging. You know, and the thing is, what people don't realise is, you know, your fat cells never, ever go. Yeah. The term burning fat is, 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 is BS. Do you mean your fat cells shrink? So you're genetically born with your fat cells. So even if you had liposuction, you had a, a bad lifestyle, your, your fat cells will come back. But your fat cells shrink. But people don't realise when you have a high influx of calories or um, you rebound through food, high amount of, like, you know, food, one fat cell can grow back at the rate of two. Mm, okay. So two fat cells can grow back at the rate of four. So this is why you'll always see people go through like a Weight Watchers, you know, lose a ton of weight. They go back to their old eating habits and end up going back bigger than what they originally were yeah. from that rebound effect. So when you're in, you know, a restricted calorie deficit like that, you have to reverse your calories and climb them back up. You're going to minimize water. You're going to minimize fat gain, especially with females, because mm. women carry way more brown fat cells than males mm. for childbirth reasons. So, you know, very, very different males to females. But, you know, reverse dieting out, increasing your calories is going to minimize water, minimize fat gain, you know, and it's just going to keep your insulin sensitivity, you know, a lot, lot better. Um, but yeah, in prep, when you're, you know, you're craving things you would never eat. I was going to Ikea, I'd be buying Swedish meatballs and, you know, I, and the, my first show, I was, the way I was dealing with it, I was going, I'm like, say, buy my tuna in Tesco. And I'd buy like a pack of Mars bars. So everything I craved, I bought. Right. So the end, by the time I showed him, I had about 500 pounds worth of shit food. Yeah. And literally, you'd be craving everything out for like five months, 20 weeks through prep. I had like a bowl of Frosties and I had a cheese and brand pickle sandwich and all the cravings are gone. Mm. So everything I had in, that, in, in my cupboards, I didn't want. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's crazy how your mindset works in that scenario. And like now, like the last couple of years, because I think... When you first compete, you get over them kind of cravings. You know, I've never been one to watch food porn and stuff like that and just looking at, I think it's just self-torture. But I was buying things that I would, I, you know, I bought a safe last year and I was buying things I, you know, I just, like a Nutribullet that I already had a blender and just, yeah. it was like an outlet, do you mean? So, yeah. it's, you know, people are obviously react differently, but it is, and these are obviously with females, you've got to be careful with, um, and I give you an example, 2015, I went to the British Championships. I was 15 stone five on a Sunday. I just gouged on food. By the Tuesday, I was nearly 18 stone. So this is what people don't realize. What you take off in five months, 20 weeks, X amount of weeks you diet, you can put back on within days. Yeah. So you can imagine your internal systems of stress. I had edemas where pooling in my ankles, mm. And obviously, um, from that, so you've got to be careful, like, you know, you can literally put weight on that quick. So someone who's looking at losing weight now, then obviously, it, that's one of the things I was going to ask. So the clients you said about that, like, you make the, or like motivate you the most because of the lifestyle changes they make. When they lose the weight, do they tend to stay with you then afterwards or do they kind of work, do a program, they lose the weight and then do they go off and do their own thing? And, and also, what's the sort of rate of people putting that back on, do you know what I mean? Because that's the key thing, isn't it? You say it's not just the diet, it's the lifestyle change that needs to happen. Yeah, I think of... person dependent, I've had clients lose a lot of weight, disappear, mm. come back bigger. Yeah. Do you mean? Um, 
so I've seen that a couple of times and they've done that two or three times I've seen them come back you know because they, again they, they need the accountability mm. some people haven't got the inert you know thing to just do it on their own back yeah. it's like they need schooling they need answer to somebody and that's where mm. coaching it, you know it does that's the, one of the biggest things is accountability like you know Neil, why you know I I can't buy this. What can I eat this? Neil, you know why am I doing this? This you know I'm there as like you know the voice of reason. Not just that, I life coach my clients as well. I'm not just you know about getting them in shape. You can ask any of my clients. A lot of my girls, a lot of my female clients, you know I've life coached them through relationship breakups, I mean meltdowns, time of the month. You know I've been on holiday the other side of the world. I'd be I know and if a client messages me and they're having a meltdown, I will pick the phone up mm. and ring them. I mean, people say to me, Neil, you should switch off. You need a holiday. I just yeah. can't yeah. because I'm that type of person where if I can just, you know, spend five minutes reassuring them, you know, motivating them, then why not? Like, I mean, a lot of coaches don't do that. And I know they don't do that. Mm. And that's where I go above and beyond because you have to be a people person. And like I say, just because somebody's an IFBB pro doesn't make them a pro coach. Mm. There's things going on in the industry from a coaching aspect that is unbelievable. Like, you know, just... No accountability, you know, one word replies, you know, not crap support, drug use, just, you know, it's insane. Like, and and it's more now than ever because of the reach the social media's got. Well, this is it. Yeah, like, you you know, I, I, as an outsider in that sense, I've seen there's so many different coaches and fitness professionals or fitness individuals out on social media. And a lot of them, like you said, they're just... It, well, I'm imagining anyway. A lot of them don't necessarily have qualifications in that kind of stuff, but they'll put out that fitness advice and, and yeah, whatever yeah. Uh, because it's good content. You know, it's good for building up that traction or that following on social media. And like you said, I think that's where you get a lot of misinformation then as well, isn't it? If they're in particular, if somebody was to build a following, but they don't have like a sort of a general yeah. understanding of nutrition and fitness, um, it can be unsafe. You know, yeah. for people who might not have a clue, they'll follow someone, resonate with them, and think, "Oh, well, this person, I like the content they're putting out, and they buy into it." Yeah. Not necessarily with money, but they'll just listen to the content and absorb it, and it could be completely fucking wrong. It could be yeah. completely, you know, and not just bullshit. that. Just because they look like that, mm. what you'll find is, say, you've got um, a poor bodybuilder who's really erratic with his drug use. Mm. You know, if he thinks that's normal or he's doing that. Of course, he's going to radiate that down into his clients. I've got a conscience. I've got to sleep at night. I'm never going to do anything with my clients. One, I wouldn't do it myself. Or two, that's going to be detrimental to their, their well-being and their health. Mm. I just couldn't live with myself. Do you mean? And, and the, the industry is not regulated. There's stories of, you know, bikini girls being in hospital, you know, on 900 calories, you know, excessive drug use, boys having heart attacks. Do you mean? It, it's, it's, it's crazy, mm. the industry. And it's, it's so much misinformation out there as well now you know even just basic stuff that that we know that's debunked and doesn't work anymore like you know i was having this conversation the day and i've, I've spoken it many a times about water loading into a show where peak week the week leading into a show people will increase their water intake that week hmm. and you know they could drink anything up to 12 liters of water uh, and if anyone knew how homeostasis works in the body it doesn't work and i don't care what your coach says what you know that is biology it works with every single human being homeostasis is how your body regulates water so what they do is they increase the water intake leading into a show right so they're drinking 12 liters of water and then expelling water 
you know, the, the, you, you, you know, they're expelling water every day, obviously, from drinking that amount. Mm. Then they cut the water then, 24 hours full stage thinking, because they've been drinking water all week, and when they cut the water, the body's still going to expel, and in, in, in turn, then dry out. Okay. So they get that dry condition look on stage. It doesn't work like that, because the neurophons and the cells within your body, right, keep a, a 70-30 balance at all times. 70-30 intracellular and extracellular, inside mm. and outside the cell. So your body is monitoring your cells minute by minute, 24 hours a day, 70-30 balance. You were drinking 12 liters of water, it still keeps a 70-30 balance. What it does, it thinks, oh no, I'll just dilute the urine and we'll just excrete more water. Mm. Still keeping a 70-30 balance. Then they stop the water 12 hours before stage. This thing's, hang on now, I, I still got to keep the 70-30 balance to survive. Mm. So I'm going to go pull this water now, because he's not drinking any, from the one place as a bodybuilder you don't want it to, your muscles. Right. So we'll pull the water from the muscles to keep that 70-30 balance. And then when they're on stage, they can't get a pump. They can't get vascularity. And then, I mean, they end up looking skinny fat or flat. Do you mean, or they spill over, mm. and then the following day after the show, when they rehydrate and put sodium back in, they, they think, oh my God, why didn't I look like this yesterday? It's because of that. So, it, you know, it, it's just people were doing that in the 80s, and it, it doesn't work. And that is how your body, you know, regulates. It will keep a 70 30 balance, intracellular and extracellular at all times. So, water loading, one is dangerous, mm. you know, and drinking, you know, white wine or alcoholic the night before the show because it's a diuretic. You know, it ain't gonna dry you out anymore. It's just, you know, just idiotic things like that, and that's just misinformation that's still getting used. It's interesting because that's like until you just said that, that's something that I assured as well as well, and something I obviously yeah, no, no, I I don't know anything about what you would do pre comp, but that is like some information that has, has stuck with me. So it's good to know that that's a load of shit. Yeah, and the same <laughs> as like you know, sodium. Uh, people, you know, restricted sodium are uh, going into a show. Your body doesn't hold water from sodium salt it only does it when there's no sodium in the system mm. so if i was doing a show i would like salt my meals 16 weeks out from the show and i would keep my salt in right up until show day because you know it improves you know it's brilliant for vascularity amazing for regulating blood pressure it pulls water into the cell into the cell so it rehydrates the cell so you know when you start salting your meals within two days your body starts regulating sodium mm. so any excess sodium it doesn't want you just secrete it through your urine so your body then is efficient at, at you know at anyway, yeah. yeah so if you didn't have any sodium in your diet and then you went out a really high sodium meal like a cheap meal and then the next morning you're three four five pound up it's because of that exact reason yeah so again it's like you know people like demonize sodium and salt For, well, the, yeah funny you say that because like the well, going into some of the bigger runs that I've done. So Gary Howells um, does like he did like a sweat test on me before the hundred miler attempt, and he you know tells you exactly what sort of sodium and you know salt essentially that you're excreting yeah. every hour through sweat. And mine was like just shy of nine hundred milligrams of salt per hour. So he said you need to be taking a thousand milligrams per hour during the run in all and and also on like the lead up to it slightly as well. So like the week or during training runs and. Like you said there, the the one of the key things that fucks people up when they go and do a half marathon when they they're not that maybe not so much they they might be good at running but they might not be used to doing that sort of level of intensity for that long period of time and then if they have a Red Bull or they have some you know go on the piss the night before and then they don't fuel up with the sodium and all of the different salts before it. That's kind of what, uh, well, how people die sometimes, isn't it? They yeah. say it's the dehydration, what goes down is that, but it's like 
they've got enough water. Your potassium that's... will drop, see? Yeah, not, not, well, the, can kill you. not the minerals that you need. This is why you competitive, all, you know, when every bodybuilder has probably died, you know, uh, professional, mm. is because of that exact reason, messing on with diuretics, very, very dangerous. You know, it's a drug that will actually pull every single bit of water out of your body, and with that, electrolytes, you know, sodium, potassium, your potassium levels get too low. Mm bad for the heart, it'll stop the heart. And you know, even with me, that's how they stop my heart for 45 minutes. They fill the heart with potassium. Mm. Death row, how they kill people with intravenous injections. One of them is potassium. Yeah. They just fill the heart with potassium, it'll stop the heart straight away. So so they, so they use that as a way of like sort of stopping your heart so that they could operate. Yeah, it? yeah. So if we talk about that as well, just so the yeah, people listening have got more context. Yeah. So, do you know, yeah. Obviously yeah, so story, obviously, but, you know, um, I've never, I'm always, I've never been to, no, I never go to the doctors, I'm always healthy, I'm A now with my blood work, I run my blood work privately um, through a company called Medichex, three times a year, my blood work's always immaculate, um, you know, I'm not a big drinker, I've never smoked, um, so yeah, just went to the dentist, uh, the end of February this year, um, went on a Wednesday, just a routine check with a hygienist, in the chair, measuring my gums, making my gums bleed, going under the gum line, just routine, you know, scrape and polish. And she was using this like water machine to like clean the teeth. Brilliant. Walked out, come out there, felt like a million dollars as you do when you when you see a hygienist. Mm. That was on a Wednesday. Woke up on a Sunday morning. Went downstairs, I'll come on, let's go to Verdi's for a coffee. And I just started shaking uncontrollably like I was freezing. Mm. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm cold, you know, so put some clothes on, I'm still shaking. So anyway, um, cut long story short, went out in the car thinking I was just, it was going to pass, it didn't, ended up coming back to the house, straight up to bed, under two blankets, shivering, managed to warm up, but took my temperature, my temperature was 40 degrees, heart rate about 115 beats. So managed to come down, you know, the border, I managed to stop the shivering. And then as soon as I got up to do anything, go to the toilet, stand up, it happened again. So anyway, rung uh, 111 and then they said, look, go over to, over to A&E. Mm. Went to A&E. Went to A&E, it was a 15-hour wait. Sat me by the door. I was, you know, shivering again. I thought, I can't stay here. I'm going home. Like, and as you do as males, we're like, right, I'll just suck it up and we'll get through it. Like, it could, yeah. be, could be anything. I thought it might have been cold, COVID, worst case scenario. Went back home. Um, so you're talking about Monday now, again, goes to bed, fine, wakes up in the morning, fine, soon they're going to have to go to the toilet, next minute legs start going, shaking again. So all that week I was having episodes, maybe two, three a day. Um, missed, you know, my girlfriend was like, right, you're going to ring in the GP, you're going to see the GP. Went to the GP, um, he checked my chest, breathing, urine sample, everything was fine. Then the Wednesday, I rang him again, I had to go back again, then he sent me for bloods. So went to the hospital, run bloods, had an episode while they were doing my bloods as well, shaking, shivering. They just like, you know, you have to go and ring the GP for your results. Rung the GP, folic acid deficiency. Well, it was low, my folate, which is common in males anyway. Um, so they gave me a prescription for folic. And then the Friday, so this is a week now yeah. of this happening, the Friday, again, it was happening again, rung the GP and said, look, this is happening again. He's like, look, the surgery's closed, come here, I wrote a letter. And go and take it to the hospital. So we drove to my surgery, um, banging on the door. He's like, Look, take this letter, I've written it, I've rung the ward that expected you. Went over to the hospital, sat in the waiting room till about two o'clock in the morning. Then they done all the tests on me bloods, 
they thought it was meningitis. So my O2 stats were kind of lowish, but they were doing bloods, taking bloods for me. They were doing COVID swabs, x-rays, chest scans, everything. And then they sent me home. Hmm. So then they done a lump. They said, right, get on the bed. We're going to do a lumbar punch, needle in the spine. I was like, oh my God, here we go. So I had a curl in the feet, the position in the bed. They went into the spine and I knew she was nervous because I'm on a muscle out of my back. She was trying to feel my, my spine yeah. for my vertebrae. She went in between the vertebrae, pushed in for like five minutes, pulled it out, like, I can't get any fluid. Hmm. I'll have to go in again. So she went in oh, again. Yeah. yeah. So she went again. Ah. She went in higher again, push in five minutes, pressure, pulled it out, said, I can't get any. So I'm going to go in one more time, higher up. If I can't get it, I'm going to get underneath the system. We're going to have to do it. So I was like, oh, please just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've had a week beer now when I've been going through the mill and then she got the fluid, thank God, went away because that's the one way they test for meningitis, spinal mm. fluid, came back negative. Mm. So they sent me home with paracetamol. They sent me home with paracetamol. I literally get home that night about nine o'clock. It was a Friday. Soon as I sat on the sofa, phone goes, can you come back? We found bacteria in your blood. So back I went and that's when I went downhill. So the Saturday, Sunday, everything just started getting worse. I could, I, I couldn't lay back with the pressure on my chest. I could feel like kind of gurgling. I could urinate. it. Mm. Um, my O2 stat was like eighty one percent on three liters of oxygen. Struggling to breathe. You know, my artery was like hundred and fifteen beats. You know, so I was like really fatigued. And um, they were doing tests again, bloods again, everything. Then I ended up in intensive care. So they tried putting a C mask on me. They said, look, put this ma mask on. It's, it feels like it's, you know, you got your head out of a car window under a mile an hour. So they put this mask on me. They strap it to the back of my head and it was the most horrendous thing. And that's what was killing a lot of people in COVID because it forces air into the lungs. Yeah, yeah. So your lungs stop working yeah, the way so, you should. Yeah, it? so, yeah. you know, it's breathing for you, basically. And this is why they stopped putting people on that. So I literally lasted four minutes on it. Mm. Uh, it was making me breathe out of my regular rhythm and because I was already you know because my I was struggling it was it, I was it was actually stressing me I was like look can you get this off me so they took it off me um they put me on another mask they blue lighted me over to Morriston cardiac intensive care uh four o'clock in the morning gets there I think it was a Sunday morning they done an echo uh an echocardiogram on my heart and that's where they could see the mass on my heart so Monday morning I've got seven heart surgeons that bought my bed. So um, he's like, look, you're in, a, you know, you're in a bad way. And I'll say it exactly what he said. It. He's like, your valves obliterated. He's like, you've got endocarditis. Um, bacteria's latched onto your valve. It's eating your valve away. Whereas your valve normally is doing that. It's a one-way valve. Yours is obliterated. And it's just flapping. So there's water and blood going both ways. Your heart is offloading water to the rest of your body. Mm. So he's like, look, you've, you know, we don't know how you're alive. You've been in acute heart failure for two weeks. He's like, but you're so physically fit. You're so physically strong and you're so fit internally. That's the only reason you've lasted this long. Yeah. He's like, if it was me, if it was any of these, we'd be dead. He's like, you are in a bad way. Personally, I'd get your affairs in order. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, I can imagine this time. I'm there, I'm wired up to everything. I hadn't seen my daughter for two months because she's in private school. You know, and uh, when you get told something like that and you want your family around you, you know, no amount of money, clothes, cars, mm. trophies, nothing matters. Like when you want your loved ones, 
you're basically faced with death because they basically said look get your affairs in order so i just wrote my will i didn't know i was even writing i just wrote my will on my phone sent it to my girlfriend i made a video for my daughter i made a video for my father and i made a video for my girlfriend and they said look you're on so much direct that if we keep on any longer you're gonna have kidney failure mm. because your heart's offloading water everywhere and if normally we'd give you antibiotics for two weeks to kill the bacteria and then we'd go in but you won't be here in two weeks he's like so we're gonna go in tomorrow morning so um yeah i went down for surgery wednesday march the 9th eight o'clock in the morning and it's crazy because when you're faced with something like that you're not you're kind of not scared mm. you know you, you know obviously you know i I, I wasn't drugged up, but I was, you know, I'm very aware of my surroundings. And I'm like, I'm in this bed, you know, they're wheeling me down the corridors. I'm thinking, here we go. Am I even going to wake up? You know, so I was faced with, you know, because he did say to me, look, are you the first and all that? So I'm thinking, am I going to survive the surgery? So they're wheeling me into the room. The anesthetist is putting, obviously, the anesthetic in me. And I can remember looking at the clock and gone, you're gone. And then they put me out Wednesday morning, 8 o'clock, and they brought me around Thursday afternoon, 12 o'clock. So I was out like a proper like a proper twenty four hours, but they basically sawed my sternum, opened me up, opened my chest up, collapsed my lungs, pushed the lungs out of the way, stopped filled the heart with potassium, stopped the heart for forty five minutes, cut the top of the the tube, looked down the tube mm. where the valve is, cut the valve out, took the valve out, then he put a, a carbon fibre valve in, which is about eleven grand. Put the carbon fiber valve in, stitched that in. You know, they got like the binoculars on. Yeah, yeah. For microsurgery, stitched that in, stitched the two back, and then wired me back together. So they basically, I got wires in me now for the rest of my life. Yeah. My, so basically, they went through my breastbone, they went through one side of my sternum, through the other one, and they basically pulled me like a, like a lace and pulled my, my chest back together. So they triple wired me then all the way down my, all the way down my sternum. So they said we don't normally triple wire people unless they're morbidly obese. Yeah. So they're like, we've never opened somebody's chest up like yours. <laughs> Do you mean we never cut through you know chest muscle like that? So they triple wired me, yeah, and they brought me round. But no, I was on fentanyl, you know, I was on fentanyl, I was on morphine, you know, post surgery, I was full of water, you know, one of my eyelids was was full of water. I was in uh, cardiac for intensive care for like two days. Then I went into. Um, intensive care ward and i was there you know and the worst thing for me was sleep deprivation mm. i couldn't I, I i had a fear of going in the bed i couldn't sit in the bed because i couldn't sit backwards and even sitting with the bed upright i, I just didn't feel comfortable so i was sat in the chair yeah. next to the bed because I'm, i was upright like this there was no pressure on my on my chest so i couldn't sleep mm. they were giving me a sleeping tablet like half 11 i was waking one o'clock in the morning so i was awake all morning all morning all afternoon i was awake you know so after days of that i was hallucinating then yeah. so i was like having you know conversations with my father and i'd wake up and he wasn't there i can remember reaching out and grabbing a drink for my girlfriend and she wasn't there you know and it's demoralizing I, I you know i sat on the end of a bed and you know naked and i had a male nurse washing my arm i couldn't even wash my arm that's how weak i was you know so all that kind of emotions and you know it's a bit demoralizing going from somebody who's so physically strong you know and going through that kind of process and then i had you know drains going into my stomach they were taken out then i had two wires going in that was probably the worst thing for me because they they cut this wire and basically they had to pull this wire through my abdomen 
I thought it was a stitch. It wasn't. She cut the wire. I was screaming. Then she pulled it out, and I was. It was the most excruciating pain, and I got a high pain threshold. I've never felt pain like in my life. I was screaming the ward down. So she's like, "I'm gonna have to call the surgeon because it shouldn't be that painful." Mm. So then he came. He, he he forced me on the bed. Look, you know, lay back. You gotta. It's gotta come out. So I was, you know, he pulled that one out, and I was screaming. But they told me afterwards that they were going through my abs. The wires were. But they were stitched on my heart lining. Right. So they were cutting them and then pulling it. So it was pulling and unraveling off on my heart lining. Oh. So if they told me that before, then they probably I probably never let them do it. Yeah. So I'm glad they told me afterwards. So he's like, oh, do you know what you realize why they were so painful? I was like, no. It's like because they were attached to heart lining. I was like, what? <laughs> so then I was I was moved to a ward, Cyril Evans ward, famous ward in Morrison Hospital, named after Cyril Evans. I was in there. And I still sitting in a chair, you know, wired up on oxygen, three litres of oxygen, and the toilet was literally 10 foot away. You know, and I couldn't go to the toilet without even, you know, walking. I couldn't walk the toilet without oxygen, without carrying a bottle of oxygen. But me being the person that I am, I was like, right, I'm going to take the oxygen off and I'm going to go. So I was getting back from the toilet, gasping for air, putting my oxygen back on. So then I started thinking, then, right, I'm going to walk to the, the corridor. Then I was walking to the corridor. Then I was walking down the bottom of the corridor. You know, and then, then they're like, you know, because they do encourage you to get up and walk around. 99% mm. people don't. They just lay in bed all day. They sit there and vegetate. So I was you know, walking around them without oxygen. And then I found that then I was on morphine, short tech, long tech. I was like, I don't want that anymore. They're like, you sure? The mm. post-surgery, like, because it's addictive. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, I don't want it. I'll just take the paracetamol. So I even stopped that myself. And then all of a sudden I'm walking down the main corridor. Then I'm walking to the main entrance. And then I'm walking around the whole perimeter of the hospital. And then I'm coming in through the ambulance bay. And I'm thinking, right, there's flights of stairs. Here. I'm going to start walking flights of stairs. So I'm walking three flights of stairs. And I'm like gasping. Now. And it's, when you struggle to breathe, it's a real like anxiety thing. Your heart's pumping and your chest is pumping. You know, and I'm, I think my heart, it was like 146 beats just walking up three flights of stairs. Mm. You know, and after like, you know, a couple of days of that, next minute it's down to 103, 101. So I'm getting fitter. Yeah. You know, and I was like, you know, first of all, I was walking and shuffling, then I'm walking at pace. So every day I was getting, you know, I was defying doctors yeah. every day. They'd never seen anyone recover like me. So, yeah, you know, thankfully now, obviously I'm, I'm uh, a couple of months post-surgery, signed off, totally healed. Got a mechanical valve, which I'll have for life. Mm. Nothing in my life will change. You know, I am on warfarin, which is a blood thinner. So your blood is one. My ass is between two and three. So I can't eat anything with vitamin K. But obviously, you know, putting this out there is great because, you know, if anyone has those kind of symptoms, endocarditis is very, very common. You know, I went to a bodybuilding show with a client last week and two people come on to me and said, oh, our friend passed away. She was a girl in her 20s. Yeah. She had infected gum and she didn't get to hospital yeah. she you know she had the shiver in and she died and then uh somebody in my gym in in, in kicks the receptionist her brothers had it done because he had a, a rotten tooth mm. so it's very very common three most common things the surgeons told me is people licking syringes and injecting heroin addicts yeah, yeah. two is dental work yeah and three is gardening people gardening you know getting a cut on their hand bacteria in the soil goes in there and attacks the heart, you'll either go to the groin or go to the heart. There's one place it'll always go. So endocarditis, you know, I didn't have a heart attack. 
you know they've looked at my heart in depth my left ventricle my left side of my heart is absolutely perfect you know because heart attacks are always going to be your left side you know that's the thick part of the heart so when yeah. you take like you know performance in drugs you know if the rest of you is growing heart's a muscle the heart's going to grow so yeah that's perfect so everything my blood pressure is brilliant i'm sleeping better you know i'm doing cardio consciously now every day for the rest of my life yeah. to maintain you know a, a, a level of fitness so my weight has flown back up you know i lost 15 kilos post-surgery um i'm back up to 255 yeah i lost seven kilos in two days they weighed me and then two days later i was like it's got me broke yeah I'm like no you've lost seven kilos so they had me on you know direct x they had me on and i had um a pick line goes into my bicep here it went yeah. in for you I, I haven't got a scar there but it's 40 inches long so they basically they were all gummed up everything like that through um, like the way through yeah it? so they went in through a, an artery there mm. and they, they fed the line all the way up so it, basically they would give me antibiotics then through there for uh, every four hours for three months six o'clock in the morning ten o'clock in the morning two o'clock in the afternoon because I had the worst bacteria, so they were pumping me full of... So you were in, you were in hospital for three months? Yeah, so yeah, Jesus. three months, yeah. So March the 9th, I had the surgery, and I, I got discharged April... Uh, no, I didn't get discharged in April, did I? It was... Yeah, March the 9th of my surgery, I was in... Yeah, I think it was two and a half months I was in. Yeah. Two and a half months. I got released a week early because of the fact I recovered so so well like but you know one thing i want to say is you know thank you to the nhs they saved my life like unbelievable and, and like you know people we take it so for granted these nurses are incredible they're overworked they're underpaid you know these these surgeons they're absolutely incredible and mrs aidi you know the top art surgeon in the country you know worked on me very ocd his patient care is phenomenal mm. Um, you know, he was ringing my ward two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, yeah. you know, checking up on me. And he was, you know, his, his level of, of, of patient care is phenomenal. He, and he expects it from everyone underneath him. Like, so, you know, the nurses were amazing. You know, NHS, they reckon I cost the NHS about a quarter of a million. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the yeah. ward I was in, I think per night, I think it's about a, maybe a, about a thousand pound a week. Yeah. I was in, I had my own room, you know, think of the food. The drugs, the nurses, you know, and intensive care is 10 times that. It's one nurse per two beds, yeah. you know. So, you know, you think of all the ECGs, the, the x-rays you're having, the medication, you know, we, we take it for granted. And until you go through something like that, or a family member goes through something like that, you really appreciate um, that we get free healthcare in this country. That's, I was going to say, yeah, it is. Just, when you put the cost on it like that, I think that's such a, I think that, that's something that should potentially if it's not done already but it should be kind of highlighted to people isn't it when they go to the hospital for example and they get i don't know an x-ray even though you're not giving them the physical bill to give them the you know like you said the cost so they can actually go oh shit that's actually just cost you know taxpayer money whatever not because they don't need it but also just to create that awareness and understanding of how like you said how grateful we should be about the yeah. fact that we've got that I, I had, for free yeah i had people from america message me and, and said like if i was us i was me you'd be dead yeah because they wouldn't be able to afford it you know so you know we are very very lucky and like you know i uh you know i bought all the girls on the ward chocolates and treats mm -hmm. you know nurses like so I, I bought all the girls chocolates and i bought my surgeon a really expensive bottle of champagne to say thank you 
you know, they were incredible. Absolutely. Uh, I've really got a different outlook on the NHS. I would definitely like to do something, you know, for the NHS as a fundraiser or something to give back. Um, but yeah, saved my life. And like, they are, they're so overworked and, you know, they're so stressed. It's like, you know, people take the mick when we were clapping every night for the NHS. And what we pay back in national insurance doesn't cover half what the actual the bill is for the NHS. You know, there's you know, a lot of, you know, people who go there wasting the NHS's time. Mm. Do you mean being, you know, sporadic and being, you know, um, you know, not looking after themselves and, you know, being overweight. And then this is why I do what I do as well is, you know, knowledge and putting that out there. And, you know, this is why I find it crazy how people don't look after their health. It's the one thing that carries you through life. Your body's so resilient, mm. but you know the one vessel that carries you through life because they say every person will experience one kind of surgery in yeah. their lifetime. You know, so you know everything that I did from competitive bodybuilding, you know, building that stress up over the years from competing, you know, it it, it built me for that exact scenario. And yeah. if I was, you know, a heavy drinker, heavy smoker, you know, didn't look after myself, I probably would have been dead. You know, so. How much of it do you think comes down to sort of like self worth? You know, so like um, you know, but people who like you said will, um, I feel like obviously we know drinking is like a sociable thing, isn't it? Like smoking's got its own uh, but you know thing as well, so it's like a distraction or like to keep you sort of you know yeah. busy hands. There's there's all different sort of psychological aspects to it. Do you think having like a well, self worth? If somebody's got low self worth, that's they're potentially less likely to look after themselves in that sense. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it isn't always about vanity. Yeah. Do you mean, I just think, like, as human beings, there's so much data out there now. There's so much free information out there with social media, with Google and things like that. It's not like, you know, you're unbeknown, you know, you know what you're doing to yourself. You know, whether you don't care is another thing, but I can guarantee you this, you pay for it now or you pay for it later. Yeah. And I can tell you this, when you're going through something, whatever it's going to be later on in life, be in the best physical, you know, give yourself the best chance possible mm. because, you know, you you know, you look after your physique and your physique will look after you, yeah. you know, not from a vanity standpoint or being muscular or being, just being, you know, drinking water. How many people don't drink water? It's, it's, it's crazy how they don't yeah, yeah. hydrate. Most They say most people are actually in UK, you, you know, US yeah. and stuff, they are dehydrated. Yeah, you know, you know 1% dehydrated is when you get that little feeling, isn't it, in your mouth that you could have a drink, you're already 1% dehydrated. Yeah. And I, I always By say the time this, you get being thirsty, you're way past it. Yeah, yeah. I, I say this to people all the time, you know, and like it's, you know, it affects your cognition as well as your physical you know, thing. If you feel, you know, you, you procrastinate or you feel a little bit anxious um, or low energy or demotivated, all those sorts of things, a lot of it can be solved just by even hunger. Taking water, isn't hunger it? Hunger you know? will yeah. mimic dehydration. A mm. lot of people who, are, who think they're hungry, they're actually dehydrated. Mm. Like you say with clients, how much fluid is on today? Oh, yeah, I haven't got much. Well, you're probably dehydrated, you're not actually hungry. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, you know, our bodies are made up of water. Our, our blood's 82% water. Our lungs are 91% water. You know, you on a desert island, right? And you didn't have any food. How long would you live? 12, 13 days? How many days would you live without water? Two, three days? Three, two yeah. or three days? You'd be dead. Everything was shut down. That just tells you right there and then, you know? So, I, I know it's crazy because I think this is why, as a coach as well, I run blood work with all my clients, male and female. I encourage it. It's not that expensive. I think if you run your blood work once a year, it gives you like an internal MOT. It tells you, you know, what good is it if you look physically incredible, mm. but you've got, you know, your cholesterol's all out of whack. 
Do you mean then you're, you've got too much you know, red blood cells and things like that? So blood work, I'm, I'm massive on as well. I do advocate that with my clients. If it comes back and it's amazing, brilliant. Run it once a year. It's like 80, 90 quid. Checks like 40 different health markers. So, you know, blood work, it checks like your hemoglobin, your hematocrat, liver, kidney, red cell count, white cell count, um, your testosterone, your estrogen, females, you can do hormonal checks. Your FSH, your LH, which is your follicle stimulating hormones and your luteal hormones. Males, that's how you produce swimmers. How you, you know, like I've had clients come to me, look, Neil, I got a client now, Chris, and they want to try for another baby. Mm. So basically, I've had a, we've had to run his blood work and we've had a, you know, I put certain supplements in to aid his increasing testosterone and things like that. And, you know, unbeknown, he's. Uh, the, the, they that, yeah, they call that. <laughs> and he's, you know, and I've had, you know, I had a client from Bajend going back last year, only 32, he ran his blood work, his cholesterol was, it was fucked, right? And his testosterone was four. Now, for a male, it's the building blocks of life. Yeah. As you get older, your testosterone naturally decreases. You know, bone degeneration, muscle loss, everything. It makes males what they are libido, sex drive. This is why we're more hairier than females, why we've got more muscle mass than females, why we're more angrier than females because we've got androgens testosterone women high estrogen low testosterone males high testosterone low estrogen so he came to me he's 32 and his testosterone was four mm. now the healthy range for a male is seven and 28 mm. so he was already at four at 32 you know he was under producing so he's got no libido no sex drive he's not going to grow he's not going to maintain muscle or, or put on it on any muscle it's going to affect everything so we again we run his um and redone his diet implemented some uh things with his diet put some supplements in um some great natural things you can buy over the counter no drugs and we, we run his blood work again in 12 weeks and he came from four to 28 within 12 weeks yeah changed his life you know and you've got some great supplements out there boron some real good data coming back with boron um pine bark extract maca root for blood flow zinc pickle knit all these kind of things will increase the body's ability to, you know, increase your testosterone. Mm. You know, so, you know, it's, I, I run blood work. I'm a massive advocate of it because all these different health markers you check, think about it, your body is regenerating red cells all the time. You're like a pressure cooker. Mm. If you're taking anabolics or performance in drugs, even more so, it's going to produce even more red cells. So the life, the life cycle of a cell or a red blood cell is like 17 days. Right. After that, it dies doesn't go anywhere it just floats on the body so this is why donating blood is so healthy for males not just helping the nhs and helping people who need blood donations it's healthy for us because this is why we can donate every 16 weeks mm. i donate blood they take 470 ml of blood out of me mm. within 24 hours my body from a plasma standpoint will regenerate that 470 ml it'll be back yeah on its own but the health benefits over the over the months you know, it takes pressure off the liver, the kidneys, it brings down your hemoglobin, it brings in your metrocrat. So it's very healthy for males because, it, like I say, you're like a pressure cooker. And when you donate blood, you feel amazing afterwards. That's because that exact reason. Yeah. It's like, you know, you're filling a bucket up and then you're taking it back down mm. and you fill it up. So you're constantly doing this. So, you know, it's very healthy for males to do it. I religiously do it every three months. So what, what the, when you say it's healthy, obviously, you said about the markers, um, that it changes. Like, what sort of... What long-term benefits are there? Like, you know, for example, does it aid in, you know, reduction of, like, potential cardiovascular issues? Or yeah, is there that, anything like exactly. That? And, like, say we run blood work now and we look at these two markers, 
hemoglobin and a hematocrat. Yeah. Hemoglobin is how much blood you've got in your body. Right. So if that's high, that your blood can get thick. Okay. So your blood can get gloopy. So that can give you liver and kidney problems the further down the line. Okay. Your hematocrat, you know, iron in your red cells and things like that. If that's over like 53, that can like lead to heart attack and strokes further down the line. Okay. So when you donate blood, it brings them two markers down, back in range. Mm. So, you know, every three months, you're bringing down those markers. If they're in range, brilliant. But if you're eating a lot of red meat, things like that, you know, they can be out of range. Um, then obviously, you know, liver and kidneys, um, looking at those. I've probably looked at about 50 different blood works from clients, just random people on, on Instagram looking at it on my blood work gun, could have a look at it. And I would say I, I've probably not had to give advice for like three or four. Yeah. Everyone Both else. People, yeah, yeah. Everyone else health markers out and it's crazy because I can tell you this now I've looked at boys blood work in their 20s with fucked cholesterol mm. and it's the biggest killing in males do you mean you know cardiovascular disease and things like that and the biggest reason when you look at your cholesterol you've got two markers your HDL and your LDL one is good cholesterol one is bad cholesterol HDL which is your high density lipoproteins that's your good cholesterol you need that above 1.1 right ldl low density lipoproteins that's your bad cholesterol so you want your ldl low and your hdl high if your hdl is below 1.1 then you, you're at risk of, of calcification within the arteries okay yeah that's, okay that's, that's got a range of different well, it's heart, heart valve um well yeah you can cause like heart attacks yeah like so if yeah. if it's if your hdl cholesterol is low you're at risk of calcification within the arteries okay so you get a plaque buildup. you couple that with a bad diet somebody who's got a really sedentary lifestyle bad diet you know 20 years down the line but that plaque snaps off mm. you're gonna have a blockage you're gonna drop dead mm. right so you know you, you hdl it needs to be above 1.1 now every marker we run on blood work whether it's hemoglobin hematocrat your cholesterol liver kidney you can bring all back in range with lifestyle dietary changes and supplementation Supplementation's gone massive now. I'm a massive advocate of supplements. So you've got, you know, citrus bergamot, which increases HDL. You've got Lipid Max, a phenomenal supplement my, my sponsors do, which drives down LDL, the bad cholesterol, raises HDL. Um, increasing your omega-3s, omega-3s, increases your krill oil, you know, adding them into, you know, it's brilliant because I can run a client's blood work and I will literally then revamp their diet and implement things to bring those markers back in range yeah so omega-3s again don't go to tesco's and buy any vitamins you know omega-3 fish oils a lot on the market are rancid high mercury content because our seas are polluted make sure the epha and dha which is the good fats and it's a good quality omega-3 increasing omega-3s cognitive function brain health heart health um you can increase that krill oil is another brilliant uh, fish oil increasing that that will bring up your HDL so you can bring up your HDL that you know donating blood is going to bring down your hemoglobin and your, your metocrat you know you've got stuff for your liver and your kidneys nacocysteine tudka you know tudka takes bile out of the liver phenomenal supplement um, you've got nacocysteine what was the first one what was that the one that takes bile out did you say tudka tudka okay tudka that's, uh, that's really really good you know and uh then you've got nacocysteine, NAC, nacocysteine. So basically it's a real powerful antioxidant. 
so it rids any oxidized stress from a cellular standpoint you know inside the body for one phenomenal for the liver and kidneys but you know there's data coming out now that NAC fights COVID from a respiratory standpoint right. so this is why you know in America they're taking NAC out of the health shops mm-hmm. they don't want you buying a supplement that's going to fight COVID they want you on medical drugs mm-hmm. they want no so it's still you can still get in the UK it's something that I take every single day one again it's a powerful antioxidant same as vitamin E um, but it fights COVID from a respiratory standpoint. So NAC, Tudka, they can you know bring your health, your kidney and your liver markers in. Um, what else you got? Obviously stuff for your testosterone. So all these markers and with dietary changes, you know, if your hemoglobin, your hematocrit is quite high, you can take a red meat of your diet. So all these things, you know, you can do. Do you think the NAC would be? Good for people with asthma, or yes, it is, absolutely, it? yeah, yeah. yeah. So what does it do? Is it like help with increasing the lung capacity, or yeah? So the, the, the you know the cells, it helps, it bridges the cells within the lungs right. as well. So actually, I was in hospital and when they, and they run bloods one day, and my ALT, my ALT levels went through the roof. So they're like, they, we don't understand what you know, you know. But I was on so much antibiotics. Mm. This is what it was. So I was like, right, no problem. I'm going to get my missus to bring NAC from the house. He's like, oh, well, we, we can't stop you, but we wouldn't, want, we wouldn't like you to do that. I said, well, it's, it's a phenomenal antioxidant and it's phenomenal for the liver and the kidneys. <laughs> okay, we, we'll, give you, we'll prescribe you NAC. Yeah, so yeah. they prescribed me medical NAC cysteine. Yeah. So I was like, what about folic acid? That's linked to the liver and the kidneys. Okay, yeah, we'll give him folic acid as well. Then. So I'm telling him what to, you know. So they give me nacalcysteine within three days. Yeah. My ALT levels came straight back down. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's and, you know, the one I use off Amazon, it's like 16 quid, you know, 600 milligrams. I, I do a morning and night. It's, again, you know, supplementation has gone so far. Mm. Now it's just, you know, there's some things every day every single person should take yeah vitamin d3 we're naturally deficient in it because we don't get enough sun mm. you know especially if you're of an ethnic background yeah, yeah. They're, na- they're genetically deficient in it yeah it's harder to absorb the rays of the sun and the vitamin d is that's there. right that's what so this is why you know and the, ethnic yeah. clients have had run their blood work and the vitamin d3 comes back low yeah so vitamin d3 should be a, a non-negotiable every single day k2 mm. K2 runs in synergy with D3, and I'll go back to the calcification in the arteries. So, vitamin D3, one of the things it does, it regulates calcium. Vitamin K2 transports calcium away from the arteries, away from the muscles and soft tissues into the bones. So, if you have got any calcification within the arteries from yeah. a bad diet, from HDL being low, it will encourage calcium uh, transport from the arteries from the soft tissues into the bones so if you take vitamin d3 you have to take vitamin k2 yeah. they work in synergy then two would, vitamin c would you say as well with the d3 that so i know in the winter they say about 4000 iu for the d3 and is it about 100 iu or 100 no I, I would say K2? i would say all year round about 4000 to 5000 Cool. Yeah. Okay. All year round. And what about the K two then? K two is is four hundred four hundred MCGs okay. of that. Right. They, they never do it more stronger than that. No matter which one you look at. Sometimes you can get vitamin D three with K two in it as well. Yeah. But I take them separately. I can't take vitamin K two now, obviously, because it's because yeah, yeah. of warfarin. But D three K two. Then it's depending on how far you want to go. Glutathione again. Nacosystine converts to glutathione in the body. Glutathione is a very very powerful antioxidant the data that's coming out on glutathione is incredible they reckon even delays 
the aging process. There were studies done on rats, mice, flies. They give glutathione to uh, a particular group of, of, of these three things. And um, they were living like 30 odd days longer than all the rest that didn't have it. Yeah. So glutathione is data coming out. It's phenomenal data out there. Um, you got curcumin, which is a, a byproduct of turmeric. But yeah, again, yeah. people, you know, misconsume curcumin has to be 98% curcuminoid. So it's got to be a, a particular brand. It's not, you don't get turmeric. Don't just use curcumin. It's got to be 98% curcuminoid and it's got to have bioprim, which is a patented black pepper. It mm. can't be absorbed otherwise. Yeah, yeah. So that, again, data out there, shrinks tumours, shrinks cancer cells. Unbelievable. A girl came to me, transformation client last year, Jade, and she had ovarian cysts. And this is what makes me proud of what I do. She came to me, she had ovarian cysts for years, bursting, ended up in hospital, growing back, bursting. She came on to me, she needed to bring her BMI down, her body mass index, you know, sort of diet out. So I'd done her diet and I said, right, we're going to do this. She was on, she was told to take supplements. There had no business of her taking it for a start. So we, we, we scrapped all them. I put specific supplements in, curcumin. We put um, IP6 in, which chelates iron out of the blood. Um, we put a really good curcumin in there. We put natural cysteine in there. We put tadkin in. And then uh, I think 12 weeks later, she went back and they were completely gone. Voice noted me, burst out crying. Yeah. Completely gone. So, curcumin, um, tadka. Tadka. And what was the other one? IP6. IP6. Which yeah. is like uh, inositol, hexapopolate, and it chelates the iron out of the blood. She was taking like macaroot, which is a, a blood flow product. And I was like, if you've got tumors, why would you feed them? Why do you increase your blood flow? So, when you increasing blood flow to a tumour. Yeah. So we um we we done that and yeah, gone. So it's you know, it, supplementation, you can have a bit of overkill. I don't like taking uh, multivitamins. I was gonna ask you about that actually I was gonna say about For the simple fact yeah. is they're trying to ram so much in a tablet, you get high chalk content. I prefer to do it individually. Yeah. I you know, every morning, you know, um again, non negotiables, D three, K two, glutathione, nacalcystine um, B complex, a lot of people find it lethargic. Mm. B vitamins convert carbohydrates to energy. Um, water soluble, so you can never take too many. Any excess your body doesn't want, you'll just secrete it out. Mm. You know, there's certain things of females need over males. Fiber, you know, dietary fiber. Right. Ha they have to have a fiber uh, amount each day. Women just don't go to the toilet like males do. They don't. You know, they get quite blocked up. They get you know bloated. So putting a good fiber intake in, putting in, um, there's a brilliant product that my sponsors do called Digest Max. It's got fissile husk in there. It's got fiber in there. It's got your digestive enzymes, probiotics. So it's a real all round gut product. Uh, breaks down your food, breaks down your stools, and then go to the toilet regular. Yeah. Women just always get backed up. They never go to the toilet as frequent as males do. So the digestive enzymes, I found, I had a really good uh, relation, well, not relation, really good, um, well, benefit from them so there was um i had like ivs symptoms developed yeah. so i went on a vegan diet for about a year and a half and i was doing it right initially but then after like i'd say after a couple of months i was definitely not doing it right i was just doing it for the sake of it you know so not eating you know any meat -based products just for the sake of being vegan rather than my original reasons which were to do with the health aspect of it you know yeah. low cholesterol and whatever but whatever but i 
started developing IBS. So I kind of isolated foods. I was monitoring when I'd have caffeine or I'd have certain things and like figuring out, okay, well, this thing triggers it, this triggers it, drinking triggers it. And I thought, okay, maybe it's a gluten thing. Maybe it's, you know, and I, I went to the doctor in the end. I said, right, I've checked this, I've checked that, I've done this, I've done that. I think I've got IBS. And the doctor said, well, why do you come here then? And I was like, just to tell me if I'm right or not. They were like, yeah, sounds like you have. I said, right, great. What can we do about it? So they said, well, there's not much you can do about it. You know, you just got it now. And I was like, oh, I never had it before, so I'm, I yeah. don't accept that I've got it now. And I, I but basically, I like kind of started researching, um, you know, probiotic supplements, taking you know different things like that, because about building up the uh, microbial count in the stomach, isn't it? So yeah. like the body bodyguards or the gatekeepers or whatever of the you know your stomach. So I started taking Tumbiotics Quest, the brand Quest. Yeah. So t- taking a quite a high dosage of those with the microbiome in it. Um, what I found is when I was taking that, it was lessening the severity of the symptoms month on month over, say, a three or a four month period. And then just so happens, one of my mates mentioned about taking digestive enzymes completely unrelated, um, you know, just because it helps with the distribution of the nutrients around the body, isn't it? So started taking those and when I was taking the digestive enzymes on top of the tumbiotics, I was having no like flare ups whatsoever. So beer was a big fucking issue for me. Yeah. I could I only went out three, four times the entire year just because every time I'd have one sip of beer, I'd be in the stomach, it's in the, in the stomach, in the toilet, stomach all bloated, like horrific pain and stuff. And I, I just, you know, I felt horrific. Um, as soon as I start, started taking the, the digestive enzymes, the flare up wasn't happening. And the tumbiotics working in synergy with it, I found that were lessening the severity of it and building up my stomach or whatever over the course of a couple of months. I don't take either of them now. I don't eat, I'm not on a vegan diet anymore, but I have, I think the last flare, flare up, I've had one flare up in maybe three years. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's completely. And that's solid. the thing, it's, it's, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, spectacular about vegan diet, carnivore diet. Um, fasting, you know, calorie deficit. If it's for weight loss, calorie deficit will always be king. Okay, calories in, calories out. You know, data coming back now with vegans because it's only really catching on now. Mm. But there's data coming back where the guns are receding a lot, lot faster. Hair loss a lot, lot faster. The skin is aging because they're restricting themselves so much. I also, as a coach. I don't just run blood work. I run intolerance and sensitivity checks yeah. through a company. So again, you know, um, I spoke with this yesterday. My story that you, you know, with vegans, and I run this test with a vegan client, and it came back, and she was deficient in everything: mm. vitamin D three, hundred percent deficient; L-carnitine, hundred percent deficient, which is the main amino acid for fat loss. It's found in trace amounts in meat, in right. red meat. Yeah. We've never eaten red meat. You're not going to have any L-carnitine. Yeah. So if you're not, you know, so I had to obviously implement now supplements in her in her daily regime because she's not going to go and eat meat she's going to change the way she is yeah, yeah. but she was deficient in everything you could think of and there's there's lots of data coming out now because i read a lot of studies um of you know you're going to see you know vegans are going to be aging gonna have a lot of health issues further down the line ketogenic diets again nothing special about ketogenic not sustainable i don't care what anyone says great for somebody who's quite overweight yeah just to get them you know to get it going same as fasting can work you know there's nothing special about fasting that's all it does it just closes your eating window mm. so if you're awake for 18 hours a day and you're eating you know x amount of times a day 
if you wake up at six o'clock in the morning, you don't eat till midday, you've just closed six hours of your eating window. That's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. You know, but then if you're, you know, gouging the, the back end of the day, you're not really doing anything. So from a, a you know, a weight loss standpoint, calorie deficit is always going to be king. But um, again, with this, this, this test I run, it tests for 950 different variables. I've had girls, you know, one of my clients, um, we done her two weeks ago. She was bloating after she was having shakes. Yeah. Came back, she was dairy intolerant. She was dairy intolerant, goat's milk, sheep's milk, cow's milk, dairy intolerant. So then we pulled milk out of her diet. We pulled shakes out of her diet. We switched from whey protein to a vegan protein, mm. um, like a plant-based protein. So she can still eat her protein requirements. Bloating's gone. Transformed her physique. Uh, two girls came back last week. Um, one was, she was nearly 100%, she was deficient in melatonin, mm-hmm. which is what the brain releases yeah. for sleep. So she was deficient in that, she was like 98%. She was deficient in um, L. bifidus, which is a, a good bacteria. Right. Lacto-elbifidus, which is a, a gut biome. So she was, she was 98% deficient in that. She was uh, intolerant to eggs, 100%. She was intolerant to... Um, she was uh, gluten intolerant as well. Yeah. So it came back, you know. So all these... So I have to revamp her diet then. We took the eggs out. We took any, anything that was in there, like, you know, wraps, things like that. It'd all be gluten-free. And it's literally then... So using them kind of tests, you know, and from a deficiency standpoint, now she's adding in, you know, uh, L-bifidus from a supplement standpoint melatonin she's putting in three milligrams and i went for bed with magnesium so it's brilliant because you can combat you know i can use that data then and you're literally transforming people's day-to-day lives like well that, i was just going to say i mean you know you're not just transforming their physique there but you, it's um it's an all-round thing isn't mm. it it's literally changing their life the energy output yeah uh, you know mood as well so like yeah. you know if you're a heat having uh food that you're intolerant to you know like you said, it might there might be physical markers where you have like a bloated stomach, but a lot of the time it's probably just going to exhibit as low energy, low mood. Um, you know, I don't know, just wanting to sleep, for example, throughout the daytime, and you might be compensating them with caffeine or yeah. you know other things, isn't it? You know, to try and yeah. get you that little burst of energy, Red Bull, um, yeah. things like that. Cortisol is highest in the morning. People don't realise they drink caffeine then, mm. which drives up cortisol. Yeah. You know, first thing in the morning. So, you know, again, I know, you know, if you know what you're doing, like I, I do an adrenal reset. So I use a, spe- a specific supplement with, I'm doing it right now with a female client. Um, she's like, I want to stop all the caffeine. Yeah. I just want to, and it's brilliant because if you run in a lot of stims, pre-workout, drink a lot of caffeine, stop it for two weeks, run this product and it literally will reset your adrenal glands. What's, what's it called? Adrenal what? reset. Adrenal reset. Okay, because they say with caffeine, they? I know, I know um, Andrew Huberman, the uh, guy from Stanford Med, he said about caffeine, there's, is it adenosine, there's like a sleep receptor sort of thing, yeah. or a sleep chemical that lingers around for like 90 to 120 minutes after waking, and then it's, if you're taking caffeine or having caffeine first thing in the morning, it sort of, it, I think it binds with the adenosine, doesn't it, to sort of give you that wakefulness, but then if you're having it so, too early in the morning, you're interrupting that sort of normal waking process yeah. and then you're likely to pay for that later on. And I, I found it when I was drinking 
coffee first thing in the morning. I, I do have one about two hours after waking, so go for a dip in the morning, go to uh, you know have a social, go for a coffee. It's usually about an hour and a half, two hours after being awake. That's when I'm having a coffee and I'm having some breakfast, and that tends to work for me because I'm consistent energy then for the day. Whereas if I was having it first thing when I'm waking up, and then I'm having maybe a couple of, I find myself having a couple of others then throughout the day, I'm falling asleep in, you know, in meetings. I remember I was literally in a meeting um, in Swansea University, really like a head of a department. Uh, so it was an important meeting, and there was me, my colleague, and the lady there. And I'm literally sitting there, I'm like this. Yeah. And I just I was nodding off, and, and because it's because of that sort of your, uh, your body's got a high infinity of building a, a real high tolerance mm. against caffeine. So if you was say having a two hundred milligram hit of caffeine, that would give you a bit of a buzz, and I know that would give you like you know good cognitive function. Within you know a couple of days, you might need two fifty, then three hundred, then three fifty. Mm. This is why. I mean, I I've seen me take nine hundred milligrams of caffeine. Six o'clock in the evening, so I go to bed yeah, at ten yeah. o'clock. Yeah. So this is why it's it's good to you know reset your adrenal glands, things like that. But you know our bodies do have an affinity to build a real high tolerance to caffeine. I use a lot of caffeine tablets mm. with clients. You know if they're in prep and things like that. Yeah. Two hundred milligrams of caffeine in the morning with like uh, your him bean, which is a phenomenal fat burner that I use. Um, but yeah, caffeine is uh, you know that's a, a, a reset your adrenal. You can't drink any caffeine in that two-week period, see? So right. you have to stop any kind of pre-workout, any kind of stims, okay. you know, yeah. sugar-free drinks. You just completely go cold turkey from a, a stimulant standpoint for that two weeks. What, what about sugar as well? Because um, obviously sugar is like a stimulant as well, isn't it? Is it mostly cutting out the net, the bad sugars for that week as well? well is no, that sort of... I do, with running that, no. I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, you shouldn't be using sugar anyway. Yeah. I don't know if anyone does sweeteners. You know, aspartame doesn't spike insulin, mm -hmm. so it's absolutely safe. Um, this is why I find like you know Pepsi Max and Coke Zero godsend when I'm prepping for a show. It's mm -hmm. just just that because aspartame doesn't spike insulin. See, and this is where you know when you're trying to lose weight, you want to try and keep your insulin down as low as possible. Mm -hmm. If you're having you know insulin is a fat storing hormone, right? So if you're having multiple insulin spikes throughout the day. Do you mean your insulin sensitivity is, is rubbish? You want to be spiking your insulin basically when you want it to, which is if you're going to go and train pre-workout and post-workout, post mm. you know, pre-workout to stimulate carbohydrates, glucose into the cells, post-workout to help with the recovery process. Mm. This is why we have the GI index, glycemic index, where all foods fall into an index and they give it a rating from zero to 100. So you don't know about the GI index? I've heard of it, but I don't know anything yeah, about it. Yeah, so basically, they give all foods fall into this index and they give it a rating from 0 to 100. The higher the rating, the more of an insulin spike it's going to give you. Okay. So the more sugar is in there. So 100 being dextrose, glucose, pure sugar. That's 100. Then you've got all foods. So basmati rice would be like 51. Okay. Sweet potato would be like 52. Um, a Mars bar would be like 87. Okay. But then you've got long grain rice will be like 93. So you've got long grain rice will give you a bigger insulin spike than a Mars bar would. Okay. And then you've got basmati rice, which is like 52 out of 100. Then you've got jasmine rice, which is like 91. Okay. So if you eat more lower GI foods, yeah. you know, the better you are because okay. the less of an insulin spike you're going to have. Right. This is why everyone has oats for breakfast because it's a complex carbohydrate. It's low where so you've got oats, which is a complex carbohydrate, and then you've got cereal, which is a high 
GI carbohydrate, that's going to spike your insulin massively and that's not. Okay. So the more you control your insulin spikes and keep it down lower, the better you are because... I was going to say, how, how do people... Is it on the packaging usually or do you have to... No. Get, it's not, no. is it? No. no. Is it, would it be on my protein? Uh, not right, my protein. My, my fitness plan? No. My fi- it's not? No. Oh, okay. But you can Google yeah. GI index and there's multiple, multiple, you know, pictures on there with all, with all all of them in there which will give you a rough idea because uh, okay. my father was he was t- he's type 2 type 2 diabetic and then he became type 1 so I was obviously looking into I've known about the GI index for years but I was I basically went and got him some tables for him to so he could look and I got dad you're diabetic look focus more on eating these low GI foods mm-hmm. which are not going to give you an insulin spike so you got to understand when you go to bed at night you're fasting for eight, nine hours. So when you wake up in the morning, your blood sugar's a rock bottom. Mm. So whatever you put in yourself, first thing, is massively important because if you woke up and you had something that's low GI, it's gonna keep your insulin down. Brilliant, it's gonna sustain you over a couple of hours, like oats, um, even though we don't need carbs for breakfast. Um, but then if you're gonna have like a bowl of Frosties, you're gonna get a massive insulin spike. Do you mean? So it's gonna convert you know, your blood sugars convert, and it is a fat storing hormone. Is what people don't realize. So, you know, having multiple insulin spikes throughout the day is not good for you. Yeah, because you're constantly, like you say, you're constantly up and down. Yeah, and highs and lows and troughs and yeah. And that's probably, I, I've always wondered that really, like you said, if you're having, you know, breakfast, chocolate or first thing in the morning and this and that, like, you know, it's going to affect you long term without a doubt. And it's going to affect you on a short term basis, yeah. like you said, just from an energy standpoint as well. Because yeah. yeah, if you're crashing early in the afternoon because you had something, well, had loads of caffeine or sugar or chocolate, or whatever it yeah. is, first thing in the morning, you know, you've got to try and either then you've either got to sustain it at that level, which is lower lower energy throughout the day. But if you're working, or you're doing maybe going to the gym after work and stuff like that, you want that extra energy to, to go. Yeah, and, and this is why you tailor. You tailor people's diets to their lifestyle and to their their needs. Mm. You know, I've got paramedics, I've got doctors, I've got footballers, I've got you know entrepreneurs, I've got businessmen, I've got you know a vast array of people. People who work night shifts, people you know. So you've got to tailor around their specific needs and their goals. Mm. So you want to be you know using carbohydrates around a training window because mm. you know end of the day. We don't need carbs for breakfast. That's just what's been installed in us yeah. for donkey's years because they've pushed cereal yeah. onto us as kids and stuff like that. You you know, carbs are the predominant fuel for the body. So if you wake up in the morning, you're not going to do anything. Mm. This is why rest day breakfast for all my clients will be high protein, moderate fats, very low carbs. Mm. If they're not training that day, they don't need carbs for mm. breakfast. So obviously it's goal dependent, but... You know, and again, you're, you know, this is a misconception that people need to realise. Meal timing is a myth. Your pre-workout meal doesn't fuel your workout. Mm. The reason why people put cereal and you know, things like that pre-workout is because it's light. It's easily digested. It's, it's digested fast. You don't want anything heavy sitting in your stomach when you go and run, train, workout. But it's the meals three hours before mm. that's really fueling it. You know, it takes about three, maybe to four and a half hours to digest a meal. Yeah. So, you know, if you're training 5 p.m., it's more you're having midday, really, as fuel in your workout, not the fucking muffin you're eating pre-workout, I mean? Yeah. So, it's it's that, like... So, like, it, on a general basis, so somebody who's not necessarily, like, does a bit of training, but they're not into, like, competitive, the competitive element to it, 
talk, we talked about the supplement side of it as well. So you've got this uh, vitamin C, vitamin D, uh, D3 and K2, B complex. Um, Depends where you want to go. Vitamin yeah. E, again, phenomenal for you know eye health, mm. really good antioxidants, CQ10, yeah. heart health, supplementation. I, I could talk all day. But there's some things I think that everyone should take. Vitamin C, you know, fights immunity, maze of a collagen regeneration for your skin, mm. D3, K2, glutathione, nacalcysteine, yeah. um, and then you can, you know, and then obviously you, you zinc pick on it. Everyone, especially males, should be taking zinc. Mm. Phenomenal, not just for your libido, for testosterone, but for women, hair, skin, nails. Ma- magnesium I found incredible as well. So I was well, taking it depends a- what version. Citrate, I had no. no magnesium citrate is really good for females uh. with bowel issues if they're bloated. <laughs> right. What magnesium citrate does, you it pulls water into the bowels, okay? So it'll actually break down the stools and, 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 and allow them to go to the toilet more frequently. So, magnesium by clicking it, by clicking it, okay, is the best. Yeah. Like before I go to bed, roughly about an hour, first year I put blue light blockers on, glasses, mm, yeah. I wear them about three hours for bed, and then about an hour before I would run, i take magnesium biglycanate, vitamin B6, zinc picolate, um, and then, this is just me specific, boron, um, that's what my night stack is, yeah. but magnesium biglycanate, yeah, again, phenomenal for sleep, yeah, that, again, I was going to say the sleep was uh, whenever I was taking it. I was obviously taking the magnesium citrate. I was taking the powder form, but yeah, I'll have, I'll have a look at that one then because I've heard theanate is pretty good as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the sleep. Honestly, I've taken it thirty minutes before sleep. Uh, having a glass of milk in the powder and completely yeah. knocking. There's a there's out. a product my sponsors do uh, called Nero PM. Mm. So they do a Nero, which is for everyday use, and a Nero PM. It's the number one selling product. It's for cognitive function, Nero is. Mm. People who work in offices, businessmen. It's got lion's mane in there, which is a, a mushroom. Mm. They've got um, magnesium in there. They've got ashwagandha in there, so it kind of relaxes you, gives you cognitive function, yeah. makes you focus. The Nero PM, again, it's got a complete sleep stack in there. Mm. Take a scoop of that. It's like a mango flavor with um, some, something pickling it. Oh, best sleep you'll have. They don't yeah. knock you out. They just promote a deep sleep because you get different variations of sleep you get rapid eye movement and then you get deep orthodox deep orthodox is the deep sleep but they reckon we get four 20 minute spurts growth spurts in deep orthodox hmm. throughout the night so uh, well you mentioned about blue box blockers as well then so we like the uh, this is something i do as well i got these red like glasses in the house i look you know if i was to be seen in them i look like a right div but they i found they were absolutely incredible because they block out literally all like all light pretty much or not all light but most um like the blue light and all that kind of stuff i think it's up to 496 nanometers of light they block out so pardon me when i look at like this screen here now obviously it's blue it's white yep. whatever in the night i've got that f dot lux plug in so i don't know if you've seen this um you know if you've got laptops and stuff you type in f dot lux it automatically changes your screen to go yellow and then orange as the night goes on once the sun's gone down so reducing the blue light um i find that already uh, you've got one on phones as well yeah that's it. yeah i've got, got on mine on the phone as well but the red light that's glasses I find if I'm watching TV or I'm on the laptop or even on my phone, even though I've got those filters on, I could be I could be there on the laptop and I'm literally after about a half hour wearing those red light glasses, I'm gone. I'm out yeah. like a light. Um, and the deep sleep quality is significantly better. So I monitored on like that whoop strap thing before, and I think when I was using a screen before bed, whether it was a phone or a laptop or a TV, 
my deep sleep quality was dropping by about fifteen percent, and that's just what they, they, it was picking well, up. Well, the on. blue light is the is the major one that affects the brain from releasing melatonin. So I I bought them off Amazon, nineteen quid, clear frames, clear lens. You can't even tell. You swear they're clear, but they, they actually give you a UV light with it as well. Mm-hmm. So you can, and it's all certified the glasses are. So I bought it for me, my girlfriend, I mean, even, even my daughter. Um, and if you go on the Joe Rogan podcast, there's a guy on there, he's the number one brain expert in the world. Nice. And they done studies, um, I think we're going back two years ago, but basically just 30 minutes screen time, iPad, mobile, laptop, just 30 minutes. Mm delays the brain from releasing melatonin for three hours right okay so you can imagine people in bed yeah, now yeah. on their phone it, dele- it release it delays the release of melatonin for three hours and that's clinically proven so they took like all these people and he was also saying that if you have less than six hours sleep a night yeah. it brings mortality forward by 10 years mm. you're saying how, how everything sleep affects everything yeah recovery growth everything if your sleep is out of whack it literally like i say he said that it will literally bring mortality forward by 10 years mm. so that they took a, a bunch of people into i think it was like into the desert no lights nothing mm. and they done a study on them and their brains were releasing melatonin two hours earlier than what it normally would mm. just from the environment they were in yeah because yeah. there was nothing out there it was just pitch black well, I, I, only anyone who goes camping, right? So, like, I've uh, noticed this myself. Whenever you go camping, because there's no natural lights there, it's a very minimal natural light anyway, other than if you've got your phone and stuff like that. What I tend to find is that I will go to sleep much earlier, maybe even 10 o'clock, whereas usually I'm up till midnight or yeah. thereabouts. So I stay up much later usually. When I'm camping, I'm absolutely knackered, you know, because, like you said, there's not that light interaction there. And if it is, there is like that interaction, you've got the fire or something, uh, you know, it's like a, yeah, it's a fire there, maybe a phone light or a torch, but the fire light, the light color, the colors within the fire, they interact with the retina in your, in your eye to almost sort of uh, promote that onset of sleep. It's the same yeah. as a sunset, isn't yeah. it? They say if you watch a sunrise or a sunset, the colors within, you know, within the light spectrum at those times of day, they boost that sort of uh, i'm guessing they boost the melatonin production yeah. when you're uh you know and also help you help you to fall asleep yeah. as well so like yeah whenever i go camping it knocks me clean now the one thing i do say to people is if you can like it sounds fucking stupid but candle gazing if you haven't got a fire in the house or if you've got a fire just sitting there a little bit before bed and just looking into it um and i find that like yeah, when I, when I was doing the candle gazing again, so it probably looks fucking stupid you're sitting, there, <laughs> sitting there just looking at a candle like that. But I was finding if I was doing it for a little bit, mi- minimizing all the other light that was in the environment entirely, doing that for a little bit, it's going to be uh, to bed then. Uh, yeah, it sleep. Was, it was boosting my sleep. Sleep routine is massive. Like, you know, it should be in a pitch black room. Yeah. Pitch black, cold room. Mm. Uh, always say, you know, body temperature, room temperature, pitch black blue light glasses you know and like I say you take out the odd supplementation mm. and it just they just promote a deep sleep a good sleep yeah. you know but uh yeah sleep is massive S- stretching i found was really good as well before bed so one thing i tend to do most nights now is um not, not like a full-on yoga session but i'll do a couple of deeper stretches focus around the hips and stuff like that because it tends to be tighter in in blokes i think anyway and um i'll i'll do like a couple of stretches 
do a lot of nasal breathing while I'm doing it and then go into a, like a sit down after it, maybe a five minute meditation, yeah. just sitting there, eyes closed and focusing on the breath. And the, but the stretching in particular, I found, because you're, you're increasing the blood flow and you're loosening on any sort of tension that you've got. And like when you go to sleep then, you're, you know, you're already really relaxed, you know, from a physical standpoint. Yeah. So like I, I was saying to somebody the other day, when you get even showers, in, even a shower before bed because of the vasodilation, yeah. you know, throughout the body, even that, that, you know, hot shower. Mm. Um, and then obviously a cold room mm. is, you know, again, that's really, really good. But um, sleep is so important. People mm. don't realize. And it's mad because before this happened to me, you know, when you know business and, you know, being kind of, um, you know, it is a very stressful job and dealing with, you know, so many different people from so many different diverse areas. I was averaging like five and a half hours sleep. Now it's eight hours. Mm. So my sleep is even better. My sleep's better. My blood pressure's better. Everything is better. So, yeah, yeah it's come full circle. It's, uh, and it's a phenomenal supplement that um, my sponsors do. And I know I say that about a lot of supplements, but Rick from Strom, he mm. really is. His formalizations are better than anything. Mm. He's got one called Systomax, which promotes healthy blood pressure. And when I say the phenomenal supplements, a lot of them backed by clinical studies. Yeah. Lipid Max is backed via blood work for driving down LDL, increasing HDL. Systole Max is backed by the Blood Lab, my favorite supplement. I take it every morning. In, uh, it, it's got um, beta vulgaris, which is beetroot, natural vasodilator, data. So it yeah. increases just, you know, healthy blood flow. So, you know, there's, there's, there's so much information out there now mm. for, you know, for people to be a bit more savvy you know, with their lifestyle and it's... And like you said, it's, it's that information, you know, that's what's, that's what's good about what we kind of do with it, you know, as coaches, yeah. essentially, is it's giving that sort of information. And what people don't realise is, especially females, I mean, it's crazy because instead of like, you know, doing endless amounts of cardio every single week, I'm doing classes, mm. you know, then going on the weekend, having a binge and then, you know, eating yourself on a Sunday and a Monday again and doing that, you know, that whole rat race over mm. and over and over. People don't realize, you know, when you get in shape, it isn't just for vanity. Mm. It helps you in so many different other avenues, you know, from a health standpoint. You look good. But not just that, you can get away with eating shit. Yeah, if yeah. I went and ate a McDonald's or a Burger King, it wouldn't touch me because when you have got more muscle mass, when you're, you've got higher muscle to fat ratio, you're much better metabolically you're fat burning mm. because your output you, you need this so much higher so when girls you know when you change your physiology and you you know i'm not talking about girls getting muscular but you know just being toned and you know that's why a lot of my girls i put on high protein diets to encourage you know muscle growth and getting in shape you you know you aren't gonna have a, a cheat meal on the weekend then and then you're hating yourself then the sunday morning when you wake up and the scales are gonna yeah i can eat a bird king now and he wouldn't touch me or i eat a bird king by knowing i'm gonna go to the gym and utilize those calories yeah Do you mean so the gym isn't just for vanity reasons it, it, you know it's it's an outlet you know for stress and you know for, for multiple of things but you know looking after yourself getting in shape mm. it isn't just about what you look like naked or walking on the beach in the summer you know, I just think it's, it's, it's crazy. I think, you know, why wouldn't you want to be the healthiest, best-looking version of yourself? Hmm. Do you mean? And that's why I find, you know, you know that's why I try and push on to my clients. Do you mean? Everyone's got their own kind of goals, whether it's, you know, I've, I've had clients, you know, bring down their BMI because they have to have IVF, yeah. you know, to have kids and stuff like that, and, you know, because they won't give them IVF unless they, they, the weight comes down. You know, I've had 
paramedics who you know need to get in shape and you know it's it's crazy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so you know it's, it's it's I think you should always you know, especially in this day and age. Look, we went through the last two years. Yeah. You know that we're gonna get another kind of COVID absolutely, and I think, and I I know healthy people have died from it, and I'm not gonna get into the whole you know vaccination kind of stuff and stuff, but it's gonna happen again in our lifetime. Oh yeah, you know, absolutely. And that's what they say. This kind of been a. It's a bit of a trial run almost, isn't it, to be honest? To yeah, actually, it's, uh, it's a wake-up call, it is. I mean, you know, I know I know healthy people. I know at least two that died from it. Yeah. You know, and a lot of it was, you know, uh, yeah, sad, very, very sad. You know, and you've got to be careful what you say about it because, you know, yeah. regardless what your, your, your views are on it, you can't go saying stuff like that when, you know, people who actually lost loved ones yeah, through it, you know. Yeah, it's touchy. I don't touchy agree with a lot of things the government done, but... You know, each to their own. Mm. I'm double vaccinated. Mm. You know, so you know, but I, I drew the line there. They said get double vaccinated. I got double vaccinated. Then they saying I'm boosters. Not a chance, like. I mean, <laughs> so but then the booster only lasted ten weeks. Well, we're gonna just keep on boosting me every ten weeks. No way, like. I mean, you know, and I run my blood work. So you know, your white cell count is how your body fights infections. You're genetically born with your white cells. So you know, um, even before and after the vaccination, my white cells never decreased or mm. anything like that so yeah crazy 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 world so i mean one thing i'd say is like with um well just before we kind of wrap things up now with well so in training in you know and diet and all the different stuff we've talked about so like when somebody wants to get started or if they're already already you no know, actually going there and training the hardest thing i think for a lot of people is the consistency keeping yeah, it up that, you know? that is I, I say it all the time, that word applies to everything in life. If you're yeah. consistent with your sleep, you're going to have good sleep. If you're consistent with business, if you're consistent with your relationship, if you're consistent with anything in life, it will always bring results. People, you know, it's like when I see clients in, in comp prep, and let me just say, the majority of my clients are lifestyle clients. Yeah. Now, even though i got a competitive background, the majority of all my clients are just lifestyle clients. Mm. Um. You know, a lot of people undo a lot of the hard work they do through the week on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. You know, you if you're strict Monday to Friday, I factor in off-plan meals for the clients, things like that. But, you know, you can go out and have a day on the piss. You can consume thousands of calories to alcohol because it's just empty calories. Yeah. What I mean by empty is there's no protein, fats or carbs. So you were just consuming calories. So, you know, to be in a calorie deficit, to lose one pound of fat a week... You have to burn three and a half thousand calories a week. Mm. So you have to be in a five hundred calorie deficit a day. Every day, yeah. To burn three and a half thousand calories a week to burn one pound of fat. So you could be in a five hundred calorie deficit Monday to Friday, right? And then Saturday, Sunday, you could consume three, four thousand calories, eating shit, having a drink. So you've just gone and done all that work. Yeah, yeah. So but and this Sorry, is why yeah. in when you're in prep, in com prep or whatever, these people have got a goal. They know they're going to get on stage. They know they can't eat off plan because it's detrimental. They could lose a place in. They could lose, mm. you know, it might be winning or losing a show. So when you eat the sit, the body loves routine. The body loves structure. The body loves consistency. When you eat the same things day in, day out, the body starts getting into a pattern. So when you manipulate the meals then and drop calories, it'll transition to the physique. But if you're yo-yoing every single day, 
your weight's going to yo-yo. Your physique is going to yo-yo. Do you mean? So you need, you know, you've got to get in a set pattern, you know, so... Mm. And, yeah. and what would you say is like one of the most important things for somebody to try and, or like, you know, how, how does one stay consistent? You know, what's the, you know, what, what do you do? Do you kind of like monitor things? Do you have anything? Yeah, so I, you know, obviously aspect? I've got my own app as well. So I've got a Team Granite Fitness app yeah. for my clients. So they've got their own portal. They've got an exercise library on there. They can pull up workouts. Their, their training plans are on there. Their diets are on there. There's a messaging platform on there. They check in via that app. So there's a specific form. That I, you know, I check, you know, the menstrual cycle. I check, um, you know, I track the weight, the measurements, yeah. scales. Women are obsessed with weighing. You know, if you're gonna weigh, weigh every day and take a, an average over the week. Mm. Because what happens if you check in is on a Saturday and you need to weigh Saturday morning and then Friday you had a monster leg workout. Mm. You're gonna hold water, inflammation from that and workout. That's a, you know, increase, there's so yeah. many things that affect scale weight. Cortisol, stress, hydration, food in your bowels. You've done five liters of water this day and six liters of water that day. You're going to be heavier. Mm. You know, if you went to the toilet three times and then two times, you're going to have more food in your bowels. So the scales are just not a viable tool for progress. They ain't. Yeah. It's one variable, but I track measurements as well. So if you get in the scale and they're like, hang on, my weight's exactly the same, but I've lost half an inch off my waist. Mm. Who cares what the scale says? Because your limbs are shrinking. Who gives a shit? Because... Your body also can pull water intracellular, which is into the cell, so your physiology can change, but you can weigh the same. Yeah. So that can happen as well. What happens if you burned one pound of fat but built one pound of muscle? Scale says nothing's happened. Yeah. But it clearly has. That's it. It's, it's, it. Like you said, I think it's having uh, an understanding because a lot of people they just go based on that, yeah. and it does. Uh, you know, it can be off-putting and, and knock you off track, isn't it? So, I mean, so is he monitoring and the accountability type sort of stuff in terms of being consistent. Um, it's taking like, the guests uh, work out. That's why the coach comes into yeah. it. Accountability, educating you, depending on what coach they are, you know, um, and taking the guests out of you and the support as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't speak for all coaches, but I know I, I, most of my clients have been with me two, three years. That speaks volumes, I mean, yeah. so... I know I give a shit and I really do and like you know running blood work running intolerance tests sensitivity tests you know you know I've been on the phone 10 o'clock at night and again I'm not getting paid enough for this I'm a fucking therapist but I will <laughs> and that's males and yeah. females going through breakups going through divorces having meltdowns do you mean I've been on holidays and I'm you know, I take my laptop away with me and I it's you know I do switch off but that's just me as a person. If I can help anyone, I will go above and beyond. Like, and I think that's the key thing. There is like, it's the it's the why, isn't it? It's the having the strong why at the forefront of what you're doing, and I think that helps you probably be consistent then with things. I think if you're trying to do the wrong things, then it's going to make it harder for you to start and for you to keep yeah. on with it. So it's got to be something that's that's Lo important to you. you know? Losing weight isn't hard. Getting in shape isn't hard. You know, everything takes effort in life. Yeah. Everything. If it was easy, everyone would be walking around like fucking models. Do you mean? Yeah. And I'll always say this. You can buy nice cars. You can buy nice clothes. You can't buy a physique. That is earned. I'll give my respect to anyone who I see in shape. Do you mean? Because I know at the end of the day, rather whether they're drug-free or taking performance and drugs, everything takes effort. Do you mean? Yeah. And it's, you know, that, and I'll always tip my hat to anyone that's in shape. You know, like I said, I've you know I've always walked my own path, and I've always wanted to be a better version of me. Social media, the ninety nine you know ninety nine percent of the things you see on Instagram is all fake. Yeah. Do you mean just do you you know be? 
I want to be the best version of Neil. I never want to look like James or John or whatever. Do you mean? And you know, that's where the mindset I've always had. And people should do that. Do you mean be the best version of you? Never look at anyone because you don't know what they're doing. You don't know what lifestyle they've got. You don't know, you know, what the parameters are with the dietary or the drug intake or anything. So, yeah. you know, that's way. That's why I, I I think and that's why I kind of educate my my clients and the mindset to have. Yeah, I like that. Focus on you first and you alone, and then yeah. I think they just end be, it on as well. Be as nice. A... Be nice. Do you mean you know? Be nice. Like somebody's bloody picture. Yeah. You know, comment on somebody's post. You don't know what. Oh, you know, if somebody's having a bad day, you know. And I, I just think you know, this day and age, and coaching isn't all it is made up to be. You know, I've had I've coached people who win shows, and they've gone on Instagram, taking a picture with their partner with a with a trophy, never even thanked me. Yeah. Do you mean I'm thinking? Oh no, I, I I've just babysat you for the last five months yeah it's, it's you know? giving it's giving back and just being yeah like but you know that's that's on them like do you mean i don't need i don't need praise i know what i do yeah. you know but again it is you know it is a double-edged sword and people pay you and they think they can speak to you any way they want and you've you know i've always got to be you know respectable i've always got to, and the thing is with a coach even though i might be you know I've, i i can suffer more than everyone else mm. i've got to take myself out of my comfort zone and have empathy with them because not everyone's like me not everyone's had the competitive past that i've had so i've got to put myself in their shoes yeah. so i've got to try and motivate them come on now do you mean and you know i've you know my clients will, will tell you themselves like so you know you can't just oh suck it up if i said to all my clients suck it up i mean because i've been on <laughs> zero carbs and zero fats for six weeks in my past you can't expect them to be like that yeah everybody's you know? mind works different than they exactly so, you yeah. know no, I uh, like they said. There's a lot of fucking information in there for people. That's going to be. I, I can imagine. Yeah, we could do multiple people, so. podcasts probably on multiple things. <laughs> it's nutrition. You can talk all day long, like you yeah. know, on specific topics. And I, that's why I get so many questions every day. It's not, you know, it's lovely. I, 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 I reply to every single person that inbox me. Yeah. You know, I get a lot of traffic. And uh, well, on that note, actually, how do people get in touch with you? What's your, so your Instagram is Neil Arms. It is, Neil Arms it? with a double S on the end. Double S on the end. Um, like sponsors as well so strong yeah strong strong sports nutrition yeah yeah phenomenal you know one of the best the best in the uk and that's just because i i was i was a i was a customer before as an athlete Ah, that's why that's that's why they kind of took me on as well you know the the formalizations are the best ingredient profile rick is just doing things the joint product is the best on the market it's got you know, hydrocurk, which is a liquid curcumin, which is phenomenal for anti-inflammatory properties. You know, best joint product on the market, best creatine. You know, Velociway is best. You no, know, the best way. You know, he's just his formalizations and his things just doing different to everyone else. You know, uh, they are incredible. Like, and, and if somebody wants to um, obviously get in touch with you, like for the Team Granite Fitness, is it a website? Is it? Yeah, they can they can DM me on my yeah. socials. Yeah, or they can email me at info@teamgranitefitness.com. Awesome, cool. Thank you very much for that. Uh, very much appreciated. Um, obviously, if anyone's listening or watching, uh, get in touch. Drop you need a message or an email yeah. or whatever. Any advice? Anyone got yeah. anything? You know, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I don't charge. Do you mean? Mm-hmm. People ask me advice every single day. So if I can help somebody and give them a little bit of feedback and give them a little bit of advice, just DM me, guys. Like awesome. I appreciate Brilliant. that. Thank, Thank you very you much. much. Pleasure. Thank Absolute you, buddy. Pleasure. Right then.